this is Speaking of Psych with Sara and Leah and today we're covering Speaking of Borderline Personality Disorder which is our eighth episode. Today we'll cover what BPD is, the symptoms of BPD, causes of BPD, treatment and how to help loved ones as well as questions and recounts. We wanted to include a disclaimer, we do mention self-harm and sexual abuse in this so if that could be triggering please just watch out. Another disclaimer, we want to reiterate that all the information that we have here in our episodes are all found online so all this is found through research and websites from proper certified people there was generally a little controversy in the form responses we got where we got a few people who asked us to really go through it and like do justice to it and then a few people who said that they didn't want us to cover it and of course we understand how because neither me nor sarah have every single mental health disorder that we're going to cover Some people feel as though we shouldn't be covering them. However, we do definitely want to just put a disclaimer out there that we have done our research. Of course, we're not certified with a psychology PhD, but we do feel as though we should cover these things because somebody Mm -hmm. needs to speak out and educate, even if they don't necessarily have the disorder themselves but yeah we just want to say that and we do promise that we really did put time into research and we are trying our best our aim is just to break down a lot of misconceptions so the very first thing what is borderline personality disorder bpd is a mental health disorder that impacts the way you think and feel about yourself and others causing problems functioning in everyday life it includes self-image issues difficulty managing emotions and behavior and a pattern of unstable relationships With BPD, you have an intense fear of abandonment or instability, and you may find it difficult to be alone. Yet inappropriate anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood swings may push others away from you, even though you want to have loving, longing, and lasting relationships. So borderline personality disorder usually begins in early adulthood, so typically uh, later teenage years, going into your early 20s. That's not to say that it can't happen at younger ages too, but the condition seems to be worse in young adulthood and may gradually get better with age. If you do have BPD, you probably feel like you're on a roller coaster and not just because sometimes your emotions and relationships can be unstable but also people with BPD tend to have a wavering sense of who they are their self-image goals their likes and dislikes may change so frequently in a way that it can be confusing and unclear so this just brings us perfectly I think onto the symptoms of BPD So people with BPD tend to be extremely sensitive and some describe it as having an exposed nerve ending. Small things can trigger intense reactions. Once upset, you have trouble calming down and it's easy to understand how this leads to emotional volatility and inability to self-soothe. Yeah, so one of the very common symptoms is fear of abandonment. People with BPD are often terrified of being abandoned or left alone. Even something as innocuous as a loved one arriving home late from work or going away for the weekend may trigger intense fear. I definitely think one thing to recognise is that while a lot of these symptoms might also be common with other mental health disorders, they're typically very, very severe with 
BPD and people I think fail to realise the extent to which the disorder can impact your life. I think that was one of the responses we got actually. People with BPD may have unstable relationships. They tend to have relationships that are intense and short-lived and they could fall in love quickly believing that each new person is the one that will make you feel whole only to be quickly disappointed. So kind of high expectations for loved ones but also just as we said earlier they have difficulty being alone. They believe each new person is supposed to like complete them and that can create a sense of false reality around them. Another thing is unclear or shifting self-image. So when you have BPD your sense of self is typically very unstable as we mentioned before. Sometimes you might feel good about your sometimes you might hate yourself sometimes you might feel yourself as evil or absolutely amazing it really does differ and that can sometimes lead to impulsive or self-destructive behaviors if you have BPD you may engage in harmful sensation seeking behaviors especially when you're upset you may impulsively spend money on things that you can't afford binge eat drive recklessly shoplift engage in risky drugs or alcohol in terms just things that would normally be classified as reckless behavior might become more appealing because they seek sort of this feeling of sensation so yeah it's definitely is quite hard to control the next thing we'll be mentioning is self-harm so if you're triggered by anything to do with self-harm please just skip like the next 30 seconds i think so people with bpd tend to have suicidal behavior and deliberate self-harm and suicidal behavior includes thinking of suicide, making suicidal gestures or threats, and or actually carrying out a suicide attempt. So they do have um, tendencies to sway towards self-harm whenever they're in a bad state of mind. So any threats with suicide, anything like that, as usual, should be taken very seriously, whether it's with a person of BPD or without, just because that there is a high likeliness that they could carry out and yeah, just to look out for them. Often BPD is confused with bipolar disorder, but they're very different. BPD does have extreme emotional mood swings so they have unstable emotions and moods so one minute they may feel happy and the next despondent little things like that often might brush people off and can send someone with BPD into a tailspin people with BPD often talk about feeling empty as if there's a hole or a void inside them again I think this can link with a lot of other disorders such as depression and I think that's another reason why BPD is so serious because not only does it have its own individual unique symptoms, but it combines a lot of symptoms of other mental disorders. Then the next thing is feeling suspicious or out of touch with reality. People with BPD often struggle with paranoia or suspicious thoughts about people's motives. When under stress, you may even lose touch with reality. This is known as dissociation, so as Leah said, it kind of combines some of the symptoms of other disorders and also like maybe DID as well because people do dissociate when under stress if they have BPD. The next symptom that we're going to be talking about is splitting and someone specifically asked us to cover this because it can be really intense and I think apparently it's one of the hardest things that people with BPD have to deal with so we definitely just wanted to emphasise splitting in more detail. Also, it's, it's probably hard for them to explain, so we're going to try our best to explain it through resources we have online. Splitting is considered as a defence mechanism by which people with BPD can view others 
or events or even themselves in all or nothing terms. So splitting allows them to readily discard things they have assigned as bad and to embrace things that they have considered as good even if those things are harmful or risky. It's a distorted way of thinking in which positive or negative attributes of um, an event or a person are neither weighted nor coercive. So essentially frame people or events in terms that are absolute with no middle ground for discussion. It's kind of hard to negotiate in terms of splitting. So examples of splitting behaviour may include things like opportunities can either have no risk or be a complete con. People can either be evil, crooked or angels and perfect. Science, history or news is either a complete fact or a complete lie. What makes splitting all the more confusing is that the belief can be ironclad or shift back and forth from one moment to the next. People who split are often seen to be overly dramatic or overwrought, especially when declaring things such as they have completely fallen apart or completely turned around. Essentially, I guess splitting is sort of like a hyperbole of things. I think that's a huge issue is communication. They can make relationships and friendships and just trying to explain your disorder to other people really hard. So I think everyone should just keep that in mind. If you know anyone who suffers from some BPD, it's very hard for them to kind of like be vulnerable and explain what they're feeling. Also, I think if you know someone's BPD and you know that they experience splitting, try and help them view things in another perspective, but understand that it's going to take them a while. Yeah, so next we're going on to the causes of BPD. It's often diagnosed with depression or bipolar, substance abuse, eating disorders, anxiety disorders, and when it's successfully treated, the other disorders often get improved as well. But the reverse isn't always true. For example, you might successfully treat symptoms of depression and still struggle with BPD. Next, the causes of BPD. So like many other disorders, it's a mixture of different things. So in first, it's genetic. Genes you inherit from your parents can make you more vulnerable to developing BPD, along with the brain chemicals. It is thought that many people with BPD have something wrong with the neurotransmitters in their brain, particularly serotonin. Altered levels of serotonin have been linked to depression, aggression, and difficulty controlling destructive urges, and can also link to BPD. Brain scans have been done to reveal that people with BPD, the three parts of their brain were either smaller than expected or had unusual levels of activity. These parts were the amygdala, which plays an important role in regulating emotions, especially the more negative emotions such as fear, aggression and anxiety. The hippocampus, which regulates behavior and self-control. The orbitofrontal cortex, which is involved in planning and decision-making. And all these three come together to Sort of it's a different working of the brain for people with BPD. I think one thing that is important to recognize is sometimes disorders like these aren't as simple as oh you can just change the way you think about it. Sometimes their brains are biologically different and the treatment will be different and it might be harder, it, may, it might take longer but of course it's not impossible. Problems with these parts of the brain will contribute to symptoms of BPD but it doesn't mean that because you have this it can't be fixed or helped. Moving on to environmental factors, a number of environmental factors have seen to be common and widespread among people with BPD, some of which include being a victim of emotional, physical or sexual abuse, or being exposed to long-term fear or distress as a child, neglect from parents, growing up with a family member who had a serious mental health condition as well, like bipolar, or a drug misuse problem. So environmental factors do play a huge role, however we will be going on to misconception later on that says that um, all people with BPDs have 
struggled with like physical, emotional, sexual abuse as a child. That's not always true, but we'll go on to that later. It can either be an individual factor, either environmental or biological, or it could be a mix. It's not necessarily just one or the other. Now we're moving on to treatments. In the past, many health professionals found it difficult to treat people with BPD, and I think one of the recounts is about that. So they came to the conclusion that there was little to be done. But we now know that BPD is very much treatable. However, it requires a specialized approach. The bottom line is that most people with BPD can and do get better. Healing is a matter of breaking down the dysfunctional patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving that are causing you this distress. It's not easy to change the lifelong habits 100%, but choosing to pause, reflect, and then act in new ways will form new habits, and that will help maintain emotional balance and stay in control. So specifically, we've researched three different types of therapy. The first one is dialectical behavioral therapy, or DBT. It's the most common one. DBT includes group and individual therapy designed specifically to treat BPD. DBT is a skills-based approach to teach you how to manage your emotions, tolerate distress, and improve relationships. So this is the most common one used, and I think um, it's the one that most people know, but there are two others that we'll go on to next that are less common but also still used. Yeah, so the dialectical behavioral therapy is more about how to manage the symptoms of BPD and then through that helping to overcome the BPD. So finding different techniques you can do to work with all of the symptoms that come with it. Next is the schema-focused therapy. Schema-focused therapy can be done individually or in a group as well. It can help you identify unmet needs that have led to negative life patterns, which at sometimes have been helpful for survival, but as an adult are hurtful in many areas of your life. Therapy focuses on helping you get your needs to promote positive life patterns. So I think this one is a bit more individualized compared to the other but it's more about what you're currently doing that's negative and how you can break that cycle and do something positive instead. And then the last one we're going to be talking about is mentalization-based therapy, so MBT. MBT is a type of talk therapy that helps you identify your own thoughts and feelings at any given moment and create an alternate perspective on the situation. MBT emphasizes thinking before reacting, so it helps you kind of absorb the information you've gotten before reacting impulsively, which is something that people with BPD can't control. This is an attempt to kind of get that under control and they use systems like systems training for emotional predictability and problem solving, which is called steps, which is another method used in MBT. Next, we're going to go on to how to help loved ones. This obviously isn't treatments because your loved ones might not be a certified psychologist, but this is things that you can do to help people you know with BPD live more easily and how you can help them get through their life. So people with BPD tend to have major difficulties in relationships, especially with those whom they're closest in terms of structuring a home environment, people with BPD benefit from a home environment that's calm and relaxed. All involved family members, including a boyfriend or a girlfriend, should know not to discuss important issues when the individual's in crisis mode. I think especially when they're in crisis mode, when they're, when they're stressed, and as we know, they went under stress, they tend to dissociate as well. You have to know, pick your timings when you are discussing important issues. Obviously, discuss them, you do still want to have important conversations with them, but make sure you know when to do it, because it's not like... It's, you can't just pick any random moment as they can tend to react negatively. 
Yeah, so how can you communicate when they are in the middle of a crisis? So when a loved one becomes reactive, they may start to insult you or make unfair accusations. The natural response is obviously to become defensive and to match this level of reactivity. But you have to remind yourself that this individual does struggle with BPD and to place them in a different person's perspective. The struggle to gauge what is a minor issue and what is a full-blown catastrophe can mean that they interpret your defensiveness as not being valued. Definitely something to add here though, don't pity someone with BPD. Most people really hate to be pitied, but what you need to do instead is recognize that, okay, you know, because they do have BPD, it means that they're gonna see things differently. I actually read something super interesting yesterday from the book, Surrounded by Idiots, which is a really great book and I definitely recommend it. The very first chapter is about like communication and how communication is actually in terms of the listener because it's the listener who interprets every single thing that you said. So it's the same in this case, except the listener here has BPD and they will view things entirely different to you. Ask open-ended questions that encourage them to share, like what happened today that caused you to feel this way, tell me about how your week is going, and overall just try and dilute the situation. We're going to be mentioning self-harm in the next one. So in terms of self-harm and BPD, signs of self-harm may be a little less overt, like it could be anything like scratching the skin, eating less, colouring or shaving off hair or isolating them from others, anything that could harm them emotionally or physically. These actions represent the person's inability to express their emotions verbally. Recognizing early signs can prevent an emotional crisis from becoming more and more serious or requiring medical or psychiatric attention. So if you notice your loved one who is struggling from BPD showing any of these signs of more overt versions of self-harm, do talk to them about them and do seek help because it's very hard for someone to get their emotions and BPD under control without psychiatric help, so do suggest that to them. So this brings us on to misconceptions, which I think we've mentioned quite a bit throughout this. And honestly, I think this is the mo- one of the most important parts because it's great learning, but you have to know sometimes if what you might have learned in the past is wrong and what the correct version actually is. So the first myth is that borderline personality disorder is not treatable. We got a comment on this saying as well that BPD doesn't have medication for it, which might be true, but that doesn't mean that it's not treatable. It's a very difficult condition to live with, but treatments are available, including the ones that we have talked about, and don't let this stop you from getting help. 100% if maybe the therapist you've gone to has said, no, we can't treat this, they're not the right therapist. Try and try and search again 100% in places where they have insurance, if you go to a doctor, they if you go to a psychiatrist and they diagnose you with BPD, they will definitely send you to a therapist who does specialize in treatments for BPD, who has that training. All psychologists might not have that training, which is why some might turn you away, which was going to suck, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible to find those out there. 100% keep searching and don't give up hope. And also, I don't think school counselors are allowed to kind of refuse you. So if you just want to talk about your feelings, they might not be the best to help if they're not specialized in BPD, but at least they're there to kind of help you guide, help guide you through your emotions. So they can't actually refuse you. So that's always an option. And number two, all people with BPD are victims of childhood abuse. That's a myth. And too often, well-meaning people who do not understand BPD believe that it's caused by abuse experience while, while the person affected was a child. This can change the way people interact with you or talk to you if you have BPD, which can be frustrating if you, do not, if you did not experience abuse. It, it can feel like you're on your own, like your own experience isn't understood or is different. While some people who have BPD were abused, it's not true for all BPD patients and should be viewed with a more open mind.
Yeah, definitely. The next myth is BPD is a variation of bipolar disorder. So BPD and BD, which we did do a podcast on the before, so if you want more details about bipolar disorder, go check that one out. But these two are completely different. Although the symptoms of bipolar and BPD may appear somewhat similar, they're very distinct illnesses. Because even healthcare providers lack knowledge about BPD, people with BPD are often misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder, therefore adding to the confusion. It's also important to note that medications used to treat bipolar disorder are not going to work on people with borderline personality disorder. So a therapist with a background in BPD is essential to get an appropriate diagnosis and a treatment plan. This leads us on to the final myth that we wanted to talk about today. So um, the final myth is that BPD is only found in women. With most of these mental illnesses, it's kind of hard for men to talk about them because they might feel emasculated because that's kind of how society has grown them up to be. But I promise you that that's not the case. People with BPD are not only women. And while the previous school of thought was that women are more commonly diagnosed with BPD than men, more recent research shows that the rates are comparable. How someone shows signs of BPD can differ. While women tend to exhibit symptoms like mood swings and feelings of emptiness, men tend to go towards behavioral impulsivity. I think that's honestly just down to the biological differences between men and women and in terms of like neurotransmitters for example, men have more testosterone which means that they're more likely to act impulsively and then having BPD adds to that whereas women, their neurotransmitters and their hormones mean that they're a bit more prone to mood swings so they're both equally as valid for BPD, but the symptoms are different. It's important to recognize both and that it can be shown in both agendas, but 100% never invalidate someone's BPD just because it's not what you think it should be shown like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So now we're moving on to the final portion, which is questions and recounts. The first one we got was, quote, it can't be treated with medication which sucks. DBD is very helpful, but very intense, unquote. So this is from someone who probably has gone through DBT, which is very useful. The thing is, when it comes to medication, there might not be any around, but treatments such as BPD and therapy techniques can be very useful to help you kind of live with some of the symptoms of BPD because it might really be hard when there isn't medication available to help. Yeah, I think it's really cool that we also got this because it means that someone has gone through DBT. That's a real insight and thank you for sharing that. I think it just provides hope to those that might have BPD and don't know how to uh, tackle with it. So the next one is actually also about therapy. Just in terms of censorship, we're not going to completely quote the next one, but they said in general that they don't like the way that therapists turn away people with BPD. They think that they're untreatable. And so many therapists told this person that they were too much, and understandably it was a complex and intense and severe disorder, but some have straight up told them that they can't treat them and don't want to try. As we mentioned, 100% not all therapists are going to be specialised in BPD because it is such a specific treatment. So there will be, as much as it sucks, there will be therapists which will turn you away. And 100%, that should not be the case. You know, if you go to a therapist and they say that they can't treat you and they don't have the training to treat you, they should be able to recommend you a therapist which specialises. So I know that it's going to suck, but it will take time to find the therapist that works for you but definitely don't give up there will be options out there look at it in a way if it was a physical doctor someone who's examining your physical health they're just referencing you to someone who's more specialized in the area that you need help in so i think although it might feel really bad having someone just turn you away saying that they can't treat you they're probably just not specialized hopefully if you ask for references they might give it to you and they might just give it to you without you asking as well but don't take it personally 
Moving on to the next one, it's about self-diagnosing. They said, quote, why does everyone on TikTok self-diagnosed? I've been diagnosed and it feels invalidating for everyone to say that they think that they have it when they don't understand how horrific the disorder really is. It's said to be the most painful mental illness slash disorder and everyone's viewing it as relatable, which makes my suffering seem insignificant, unquote. I think that this is so relevant because not only does that happen with BPD, it happens with almost every single disorder. You have people who may relate to one symptom or maybe even a few symptoms but not to the extent in which the disorder sort of entails and therefore they start to self-diagnose. I definitely don't recommend this, don't self-diagnose because somebody who genuinely is really struggling, especially if you're self-diagnosing for say attention or something, that is something that you should not be doing and I think that we need to watch out if somebody has said that they have BPD you know, it, it's a very serious thing. It's not as common as I think we make it out to seem mm-hmm. because some people are wrongly self-diagnosing and then you should definitely not be making others feel invalidated. That being said, if TikTok is your coping mechanism, because <laughs> I know that a lot of people do find it helpful and you are posting about it on there, it's important to put a disclaimer that you know for example if you were this person i relate to these symptoms but i haven't had a formal diagnosis so you might not be like the prime example for somebody with bpd definitely if you are someone out there putting this on tiktok put a disclaimer because they're dealing with so much already you don't want to add to the stress in their life yeah the next recount says that this is really important to them and it's close to their heart and they want us to do justice for people suffering from bpd and they said it's not as common as people think and it's a lot more intense than other illnesses not that others aren't bad but it's ranked the worst to have because of how horrifically painful life is every day with it suicide rates are insanely high for people with bpd they asked us to cover splitting in terms of bpd which we did cover earlier on and they also said that BPD makes them do really awful things as they have no control. I think that this is a really good recount purely because they've mentioned how important it was and they've also mentioned things that they want us to cover and also things that they've experienced. So like they mentioned that's not as common as people think like kind of links into the self-diagnosing thing because with bipolar and people with um, BPD and people with eating disorders or any, any disorder, if they tend to have mild symptoms of that, they can start to think that they have the disorder make sure you're not invalidating anyone else's feelings but also we are aware that people do not have access to therapists to get a formal diagnosis so that sums up our episode for today i really do hope that this helps spread awareness and maybe help somebody who's dealing with bpd again as always if there's something that you wish we had added or something that you want us to amend that feel free to message us feel free to maybe put it on the next form that's 100 percent okay and we will amend it in the next episode we really appreciate we've got a lot of feedback back from people saying that they found what we're saying really helpful and it's encouraged them to go and seek therapy and we honestly we love hearing all this positive feedback it makes us really happy to know that we are helping people out there next week we're covering speaking of divorce so our target demographic of sorts is more teenagers it's more about how to deal with divorce has happened in your family i think it'd be really great if people can share their experiences for this one if they feel comfortable to anonymously of course because i know that with divorce it's so different for every single case that it would be a great help i think for everyone for that episode to just have a lot of different viewpoints on that so yeah look out for that and thank you for listening thank you